This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. How is it going? Well, two hours ago, they announced that we are shelter in place for the next what feels like a hundred years, but I think it only works out to about three weeks. Um, I am actually very jealous because we started shelter in place before y'all and we don't get off till the 13th of April. Oh, well, I fully expect them to extend this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ours will be extended. They're just still trying to play games with us about, Oh, maybe we'll let you out of your homes again soon. Right. Well, probably not. These <laughs> foolish games are tearing me, tearing me apart. Like uh, we were just talking about my little extroverted heart is dying slowly. Have you forgotten how to have conversations with people? Like, no, my cadence is very stilted at this point. <laughs> it's like when you go on summer vacation when you're a kid and then you come back in the fall and you're like, how do I hold a pencil? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I had to go up to work the other day to fix all the social media and the website just to say that we're all shut down and redirect all the websites for more information and stuff. And sure, sure, sure. I caught myself talking to the principal at this volume and it was the only volume I could get out. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I haven't seen anyone in a week. Like I am malfunctioning and I can't control. <laughs> right. Well, and not to mention we were on spring break when all this started. So we were already out for a week yep. before everyone else. We were too. Mm-hmm. We were too. It's crazy. So I'm just going to sit here and drink. I mean, I'm doing the next best thing because I've already had my glass of wine and a cider tonight. I'm uh, trying out new watercolors. Well, I listened to the Wine and Crime Gals um, bonus episode this morning while I was working. And um, they gave us full permission to drink as much as you want while this is all going on. So I'm taking advantage of that. Um, (laughs) That was very kind of them. And I knew I liked them for some. Like, for a reason. Yeah. So, by the way, listeners, Uh, if you're bored, like we are, go and open up your little podcatcher and rate and review us. Absolutely. Also, I would like to give a shout out to so many people I have seen. Give our podcast a recommendation for the people who are like, I'm bored. What should I listen to? Yes, we love you all. We have another member of the Aaron cult because one of those people was named Aaron. So, hi. I'm also Aaron. You're part of the cult. Don't worry. We don't have any meetings. We're not going to kill ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all the uh, grocery stores are out of Kool-Aid anyway. So, you're just, you're good for a while. It's a true story. Oh, and then if you'd like to hear us talk more, go join our Patreon. But um, talk a lot. I dropped the ball this week with trying to get life back together. Um, so there is not an episode this week. I will make it up to y'all. What I should have done is recorded myself screaming at the television last night when CNN preempted the Windsors in favor of another fucking town hall meeting about this fucking virus. 
And we all know it's dangerous. At this point, uh, we should just let Darwin take over and do his thing. Right? Like, if you don't know to stay home by now, I don't think you're ever going to learn. Right. So, okay, I don't know if y'all's shelter in place or, like, stay-at-home order was anything like ours. Ours was literally the same thing we'd already been told by our governor. And then when nobody would listen to the governor, the football coach of LSU, like... That's a real thing that happened. Louisiana wouldn't listen, so they had a press conference with the LSU football coach, and he was like, this is a serious matter. And people were like, oh, fuck, we gotta stay home, (laughs) y'all. So the governor had to have another press conference and put the same order on a prettier piece of paper in hopes that now we would listen. Well, our governor had a press conference yesterday in which he announced that he was not going to shelter in place the entire state. Because if you didn't know, Texas is a big state and not every county has been affected. So then he mentioned that he would not be opposed to the uh, metropolitan area uh, mayors closing or like doing shelter in place for their area. So now that's what's happening. Oh, so I think he Dallas fucking was like, go. I'm not taking any part in this. When you shoot, it'll be the mayor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. For sure. Greg Abbott's a piece of shit anyway, but Duh. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. I'm Aaron, and I'm trying to convince myself that I don't have coronavirus. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm married to a doctor. Just cough into the mic once. <laughs> nope, you're fine. <laughs> Thank you. Solved. All that um, money for medical school wasted. I could have done everything for you. <laughs> really? I mean... <laughs> Like, I was exposed to it, and so I've been um, extra quarantining myself, which mostly means I haven't seen another human in a while. Um, But I have, like, a scratchy throat, and I've lost my voice, and I'm like, this is fine. It's allergies. It's totally allergies. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, this Uh, week, I watched Bond of Silence, a kind of depressing movie i hope it was good it was good it was really well done because this woman is interesting af and you know how you can tell it was really well done i just realized i have my jacket on inside out that's cool Uh, that's how you know it's really good (laughs) erin can't dress herself anymore (laughs) yeah um no you can tell it's really good because the cast is a lot of people that i'm like i know who that person is but i don't know from where Oh, great. We're going to play that game. First, we have a couple or one person that I did know from where I knew her from. Kim Raver. She plays Katie. Really? Um, She was in Grey's Anatomy. She's Uh Dr. Teddy Altman in Grey's Anatomy. She was in 24. Okay. Um, She was in Night at the Museum and she was in Third Watch. Yep. Um, Then second, we have Greg Grunberg, and I just call him Detective. Um, and he's been in literally everything. His IMDb is massive. Is he one of those people he's that been... only played like bit parts? Like he's cop number two? Yeah. Yeah, like Hollow Man, Alias, Star Wars, A Star is Born, CSI, Psych, Criminal Minds, Hawaii Five O, just etc. forever because he's been in everything that's been, ever been made. He's that face that you're like, I know that guy. Oh, is he like the guy version of 
Who is that actress that wrote an article about being the best friend in every movie? How she's never the lead? Do you know who I'm talking about? She's. I do, but I don't know who she is, which means she had a point. Uh huh. She's the bitchy best friend <laughs> in 13 Going on 30, is the most prominent role to me. Um, but yeah I don't know she's that like he's that person like he's there we recognize his face he's making more money than I am but what's his name oh he's making more money probably than all of us combined so um then we have Charlie McDermott he plays Ryan he the one role I really recognize him from was the middle okay you ever watch that uh no he it's with um oh what's her name from Everybody Loves Raymond, the mom. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. Uh-huh. And he plays Axel, the oldest kid. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, he's also been in Frozen River and that unbelievable show on Netflix. Okay. Um, and then finally, I only include her because she's in a show. she was in a show that I really, really liked. Um, Jean-Viev uh, Buchner? Buckner? Sure. You anyway, nailed she it. plays Daisy. I did. And I really like her. She's so cute. Um, but she plays Daisy in this movie. But what I know her from is Unreal, which is probably my favorite Lifetime show that's ever been on. It was created by um, the one of the producers that used to work on The Bachelor. And she went and like, made a fictional show about kind of the techniques and stuff that they use, like Frankenbiting and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and she made like, her own dating show. Yeah. It's a really, really good show. Really good. Um, I remember my friends really liking out- that. It's a good show. We open outside a courtroom with lots of people and media outside taking pictures as Katie walks through the crowd. People yell things at her. And then we see um, Ryan walking into court, too. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Keith that's walking into court. We'll get to him later. Um, and everyone's like, Oh, the whole town supports you, blah, blah, whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this. Right. (laughs) And it's flashback time. We flash back to two months earlier. We're in a picturesque town where a bike race is happening. Um, A man is walking his bike out of the garage. Um, His name is Bob. He's Katie's husband. Um, She comes out to remind him not to forget to say goodbye to their kids. Um, And then we see a group of teenage girls walking along checking out a guy they talk about a party that's happening uh that night and how they have to get in because that guy will be there and this is like daisy and one of her friends okay so they start the phone tree of like who can get them into the party you know um the phone tree ends with the teenager who lives across the street from katie and bob his name is shane and i i feel real sorry for shane throughout most of this movie (laughs) Poor kid just wanted to have a party. Um, He's helping his parents load the car up because they're going to Cabo. The neighbors all wave goodbye to each other. And then we cut to the bike race while a very not famous song plays. Okay. How pissed are you if you are the 19-year-old son and help your parents pack up to go to Cabo? That you're not going. pretty pissed. (laughs) Especially if what then happens at the party I throw happens. Right? (laughs) Really fucking pissed. (laughs) Um, So, 
we cut to the bike race while a not famous song plays. And then we see the teenagers hanging out at a cafe being obnoxious. Bob wins the bike race. Um, and he and Katie like kiss. It's very cute. Um, while one of the teenage couples, Ryan and um, Jordan, make out in front of the cafe, you know, cash. Um, okay, I like this, like, dual construction that's going on here. This, like, parallels yeah. running mm-hmm. through. Okay, I can see it. It is. It's very parallels, and then they come together, and then it's then they bounce apart, and then they come together again at the end. It's very interesting. Come together um, right now. Sorry. They start walking to the car, and some blonde dude pulls up in a convertible to harass them. Um, And then we cut to everyone setting up for the party. And I'd like to point out here that nobody makes jello shots in actual shot glasses. No. (laughs) What the fuck, Lifetime? (laughs) Lifetime was like, okay, I've heard jello and shot. I bet you just put jello in a shot there's not even alcohol in these he, they just put no. blue raspberry jig- jello jigglers in the <laughs> shot glass at katie's house she's making dinner um her husband tries to get her to participate in some amorous activities but they get interrupted by their kids who are fighting upstairs and then we cut back to the party that's in full swing now and i'd like to point out one more time that not only are jello shots not made in shot glasses, but they're not liquid. Um, this is <laughs> well, okay. So if the parents left for Cabo this morning, this kid is doing his best to get something together. Cause he didn't want his parents to know. Still, um, <laughs> across the street, Katie and her husband have friends over to celebrate new years. So we just cut back and forth between the two evenings. There's whiskey and dancing at one party, champagne and charades at the other party. I'll tell you which party I'd rather be at. <laughs> Can I get a mixture of them? Like, I want I, mean, I want whiskey charades. That's what I want. That's a good one. I'm really confused, though, because this high school party and where I live would have been busted in, like, half an hour. Right? Tops with everybody running up and down the street screaming and drinking in the front yard. No way. Um, there's a fight. Um, those two guys from earlier come and like fight with Ryan and push him down in front of everybody. He gets upset at the adults party. One of the kids wakes up because the party across the street is so loud. So Bob and his like friends, the, the husbands of the other two ladies there are like, we're going to go across the street and try to find Shane and tell him to keep it down because I don't want to call the police on him because then they'll all get in trouble. So he started out like trying to do a nice thing. Right. And I'm like, cool, cool. Just call the cops. Um, So they go across to the party. Bob goes upstairs where a bunch of kids are like smoking weed in the master bedroom. He asks where Shane is. And then he's like, Hey, like just, you know, keep it cool. Just go downstairs. Like, don't be in the master bedroom, you know. But they're all high and wasted. Um, and he's old. And then so. we just cut to... Huh? And he's old. So he already lacks credibility yeah. on top of them being high and wasted. So we see um, the kids, like, stumble down the stairs. Um, and we see one of Bob's friends, like, go head up the stairs to try to find him. I guess it's been a while. Um, 
Ryan goes outside and throws up in the bushes, which is how you know it's a great party. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at the stroke of midnight, Bob's friend finds him on the floor of the master bedroom, unconscious. Okay, they didn't have to make it that dramatic. It was very dramatic. It was like, five! And he's like walking towards the 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 room. I Four, saw that coming. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, the kids are all kissing downstairs, etc. Katie tries to call Bob, but it goes to voicemail. She sees an ambulance pull up... Um, outside the house across the street so she goes outside and i like where are the cops because this ambulance pulls up and the paramedics just like walk through this party like it's no big deal they're like oh we're here you know this is fine <laughs> it's very bizarre this is clearly not texas because um, no. those teenagers would have been shot by now yeah. by either a or neighbor or a cop so Shane, the guy hosting the party, had left like before all this went down to go buy more beer, and he comes back and like the police are outside, and he's like, "Oh what the no!" Fuck? <laughs> um, he starts yelling like a middle-aged mother, like, "Can't turn my back on you for two seconds, Thomas." Uh huh. <laughs> um, Jordan takes her, uh, takes Ryan home, though he's the one that puked in the bush. He literally falls out of the car and then stumbles inside. Um, so this little, our little merry band of idiots are all cleaning up the party. And Shane is grilling them about what happened and who it was that, you know, like collapsed and then was taken away by an ambulance from the party. No big deal. It's fine. Right. Um, all the kids like are like oh we don't know we don't know like we weren't there whatever but they all keep looking at each other and any idiot can tell that they're they're hiding something poor shane's just standing there he's like my parents are gonna freak out (laughs) um katie and her friends are waiting at the hospital the doctor comes out and tells her that they tried to resuscitate bob but he passed um katie collapses in a chair and I was like, oh, awesome. This is horrible. Right. Um, at first, I think it was a heart attack. So, um, like, the doctor's like, oh, we think it was a heart attack, but they're going to do an autopsy. So, back with the kids, Jordan comes downstairs the next morning and is talking with her parents when she sees on the news that Bob died. Oh, shit. She calls Brian and rushes over to his house. He's hungover as fuck and doesn't remember anything that happened. Um, so the kids all start calling each other so they can meet and get their story straight. Katie tells her kids that their dad died, which is awesome. Uh-huh. Um, and the, our merry band of high school idiots meet on the beach to talk about things. They decide to tell the police what they told Shane, which is that the guy told them to leave and go downstairs and they did. Future frat bro number one says that he has a big snowboarding tournament coming up and he wants to get an endorsement deal. Um, okay. I feel like that was not necessary information. Mm-mm. And then the one that I call Blondie says that her dad got her a really nice internship and if they tell the truth, they won't get to have nice things anymore. Wah! Um, I hate peer privileged pressure- people. I fucking oh. hate privileged people. 
This is a whole hot mess of privileged people. Um, they peer pressure Jordan to agree not to say anything, even though she really doesn't know a lot because she left the room. She was one of the first people to leave the room. Um, frat bro goes and picks up Daisy. She was the sophomore that was there um, to also convince her not to say anything. Katie finally gets to take off her dress for New Year's Eve and sob in the shower, which I've been there. <laughs> She's lying in bed when her friend comes upstairs to say that it is that a detective is there to talk to her. He tells her that her husband did not die of a heart attack. He died of a brain hemorrhage caused by blunt force trauma to the head. The coroner believes he was kicked to death. I'm sorry, what? Kicked, kicked to death. It doesn't make it better when you say it again, but I thought it might. The fuck is that? Um, so poor Shane's house is now a crime scene. He's, she just wanted to have a party while his parents were out of town. <laughs> Katie is trying to feed her kids breakfast and comes a little unhinged over cereal, which we've all been there. Um, her friend suggests, like, maybe she should go lie down for a while, but she says she can't. She'll just fall apart and she can't let her kids like see her like that. Detective is across the street going through um, the crime scene and talking with the first officer on the scene. He did a terrible job because he thought it was a heart attack and it wasn't a crime scene. And because drunk kids aren't super chatty with the cops for some reason. I can't imagine why. Detective tells him to start interviewing people. Um... Meanwhile, poor Shane's having a full-on breakdown in his driveway and calls Ryan to tell him that there are cops all over his house and that Bob from across the street was murdered. So, like, what the fuck, dude? Um, Ryan's like, uh, I'll call you back and hangs up. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Shane needs new friends. <laughs> right? The kids all meet up again, and frat bro number one says that the fact that he was murdered does not mean they should change their story at all. Listen, just because somebody died doesn't mean we have to start having a heart now. Don't don't you be a pussy about this. Um, we flash back to frat boy hitting Bob and then he falls on the floor and they walk out. Daisy, the sophomore, says there was really a lot of people still upstairs after they left and it could have been anybody. But like it wasn't because it was one of them. Right. <laughs> Like, Daisy, I, um, I appreciate you saying all those words together in that order, but shut up. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, frat bro also fancies himself a mobster and refers to the murder as Bob getting, quote, whacked. <laughs> Have you ever seen Date Night? Yeah. We're going to get whacked off. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this kid goes to jail. <laughs> Bob's funeral is overflowing with people, including the people that murdered him. Like, what random teenagers just show up at a funeral to somebody they supposedly never met? Um, you know, guilt it's makes you guilty. do crazy things. Um, sad music plays as they zoom in on each kid's face while they watch the casket being loaded into the hearse. And Ryan has a memory spark. He tells Jordan on their way home, he's like, he starts to say, I remember what happened. And then she starts asking questions. He's like, oh, I just remember like being a really big jerk. 
Okay. And she's like, that's not the same as killing somebody, but you know, we're getting there every day. We're a little bit closer. Jordan starts to say that she, he's usually so sweet until he gets around his friends. So Ryan immediately picks a fight like you do. Right. That's what we like to call deflection. Mm -hmm. They pull up outside Jordan's house and there's a police car there. Um, Ryan's like, you want me to drive you around for a while until he leaves? And she was like, no, I have to do this at some point. Like, <laughs> um, She tells Detective and his little friend cop that Bob had asked him to take the party downstairs. And Detective is like, is that when Keith called Bob a name? So, like, right here, she should have been like, okay, they already know more than I do. Right. I should not lie. But, so they flash back to the party and we see the guys punch Bob again. Jordan lies through their teeth through her teeth and the detective can tell but her parents stick up for her. These parents in this movie are ridiculous. Um, Buddy Cop goes to interview Daisy but her dad lies to him and says she isn't home. Um, Don't lie to the cops. And I'm like did I miss something in parenting class because I would be the first person to make my kid talk to the police if he was involved in a situation like this. Right? Like, I'm not a parent, and I'm pretty sure that I would be, like, whooping my kid while he's talking to the cops. Like, you were so stupid for being involved in this. 100%, I would want to do it smartly and be like, okay, do we need an attorney? Whatever, and I'm protective of my child, but if they're involved in something and they're saying... I was just there, you know, they just want to know what happened that night. Then there's no reason why that she shouldn't tell them. Right. Um, they interview frat bro and his dad who also lie. Uh, detectives go to talk to Blondie and she's, she lies too. Um, the dumb thing is that they all tell the exact same story down to the number of people they thought were still upstairs. Okay. I say all the time, if you're going to lie, don't give too many details, dumbasses. Katie has a birthday party for the kids because they're twins. Um, she can't hang the piñata. Um, so she cries. <laughs> you know, I feel that too. Been there. And she called the grief counselor and he said she'd have to wait for an appointment because if she hadn't noticed, there's a crisis going on in town. Motherfucker! <laughs> Can you even? Um, the detective comes over to say that he's narrowed it down to the small group of kids, but they're all liar, liar, pants on fire. So does he say that? He because me? that's a plus writing. Yeah, it is. So Katie takes him to task because she would like to know what happened to her husband. You know. Um, detective says he's going to stay on it. Um, if he wasn't going to, he is now because he's scared of her. Yeah. Katie starts posting flyers or offering reward money for information about the murder. At school, Jordan and Blondie say hello to Shane, but he's like, mm, no, we're not friends anymore. Good for him. Good. Um, our group of new high school Mary idiots are having lunch together when Daisy approaches with one of the flyers. She's totally having a meltdown. 
frat bro, bro is like, no one's going to tell because, quote, a rat is the scum of the earth. And I'm just waiting at someone for someone to yell at him to stop trying to make the mob happen because it's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Daisy and Jordan walk off and Blondie's like, man, murdering that dude is totally messing up my senior year. I should be having fun instead of worrying about this stuff. Um, I mean, sure, Jan. What else can you say? I know. Detective goes to knock on some more doors. Blondie's dad tells him to buzz off because none of the kids did anything wrong. And I really, again, feel like I missed something when I learned about parenting. Because I'd be like, oh, he's right here. I'm going to stay in the room, but uh, he's right here. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You don't mind if I record this conversation on my phone, do you? Right? Um, Yeah. Back at the office, Detective gets a tip call from someone that was at the party. Um, Meanwhile, frat bro's parents buy him a Porsche convertible because, of course, they did. Well, yeah. I mean, what would you buy your kid after he accidentally murdered somebody? Um... Some, like, flip-flops for the shower in jail. <laughs> a punch card to the lawyer's office. <laughs> Six visits free. Um, the whole group is hanging out outside of school talking about how amazing the car is. Um, Keith is back. He's the kid that they've been looking for this whole time, but nobody could find him. Um, he's been grounded. From school? Like, From school? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you and I both had the same question. <laughs> So they're hanging out and two police cars pull into the school parking lot with lights and sirens going. They arrest Keith for manslaughter um, while the kids stand around with their mouths hanging open saying things like, this is so messed up. (laughs) What happens when you kill someone? You go to jail. Katie goes to drop off her kid's at like a party thing and her friend is there reading the paper the headline reads quote football star arrested katie asks her friend if she's read the letters to the editor which are all defending keith because he's quote a good kid and i'll bet he's also an excellent swimmer that's exactly what i was about to say and he's just got such a bright future Mm mm-hmm Katie goes to the police department where a detective basically says they arrested Keith in an attempt to scare him into telling them who actually killed Bob. They go to the arraignment and we see the opening scene where of people walking into court. The parents are screaming in Katie's face about harassing their kids. Like she's the one that did something wrong. I just, I don't get it. Everyone in this town is absolutely insane. Um, Ryan's at home, not feeling well, and I'm going to guess it's his guilty conscience. Jordan calls, and Ryan tells his mom to say he's asleep. Uh, Things start to break down between our merry band of high school idiots pretty quickly. No. Ryan stops going to school. Frat bro continues to frat bro everywhere, like they do. And Blondie, for some reason, set up juice or wine or something to spill out of Daisy's locker all over her. Because I guess she was like, I should really go to jail this summer. (laughs) 
an important experience to take to college with me. Well, you know, um, like when you're so guilt-stricken over being involved in a murder, how you start pranking people. You've never, you've mm, never done that. N- well, no, I've never killed anyone. Okay, well, not all of us are goody goodies like you, and sometimes <laughs> you just need some juice to fall out of a fucking locker, Aaron. Sure. Um. So frat bro. Oh no, Blondie like tells frat bro like that Daisy totally deserved it because she's the one that snitched to the police, and. Frat bro is like, are you fucking stupid? I've been working so hard to make sure she wouldn't tell anyone anything. <laughs> so he and Jordan follow Daisy into the bathroom where she's crying and officially losing her shit. Well, I can't imagine she starts why. Yelling, she starts yelling that a lot of stuff happened that night that Jordan doesn't know about. And frat bro clamps a hand over her mouth from behind. Uh-uh. Which is nope. not terrifying. Nope. Take a step back, sir. Um, where after Bob, Bob falls on the ground, frat bro kicks him down again. Katie, the kids and a friend are getting ice cream. Katie waves to another lady across the street, but the lady she's with grabs her arm and pulls her the other way because they support Keith, whatever. Ryan is still moping in his bedroom and Jordan comes to see him. She asks about the party again and he totally loses his mind and kicks her out screaming and then he starts packing a suitcase to go on what i'm sure was a totally planned vacation it's just some soul searching everyone does it right after they think they might have killed somebody Mm-hmm. detective goes to katie's house with bad news the da is dropping the charges against keith he says he's not going to give up on the case and katie says quote you know i can't just sit around here and do nothing right So Katie decides to have a press conference requesting information and also announcing that she's filing a civil suit against the witnesses who last saw Bob alive. Later, she's watching the news, interviewing people about whether they agree with her or not. Uh, Detective makes an appearance to say that if if anyone wants to come in and, quote, clarify their statement, they should do that. Meanwhile, the idiot parents of our merry band of idiots are sitting around making a giant idiot sandwich talking about how to approach hiring attorneys and stuff. They also discuss countersuing Katie like idiots. What fucking assholes? Um, Ryan's mom shows up because Ryan hasn't been home in a couple of days. And I just want to say that Ryan's mom is like the most normal mom out of all these parents of the teenagers. She's just doing her thing. She, You can tell she really loves her son. And she like, she'll come in and be like, oh, I got us sandwiches or whatever. And the rest of these people are insane. <laughs> All of these parents were paying to have their kids' SAT scores fudged. Every one of them. Oh, I wonder if Lori Laughlin was involved in this. <laughs> um, so... Frat bro's like, hey, I might know where Ryan is. So he and Jordan go to find him. They drive out to a trailer that has just a grill in front with a huge fire burning in it for no reason. Well, I mean, sometimes you need to send smoke signals really quickly. Sure. They find Ryan and he's completely shwasted. He says he's not going home. He doesn't care about school anymore. He says to Jordan, quote, I'm done with school, I'm done with home, and I'm done with you. Oh, hit her where it hurts. 
I was like, wow. Um, Katie meets her friends at the cafe where Jordan works. Katie tries to talk to Jordan, but her boss tells her to go, tells Jordan to go take a break. One of Katie's friends decides she's like had enough. And today's the day she's going to speak out and tell Katie to stop harassing these kids. One of Katie's it friends? It goes really well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a friend. It goes really, really well. And Katie storms out. Um, while she's leaving, she sees Jordan again and begs her to please say something if she knows something. Um, Jordan's boss kind of pushes Katie out the door, but Jordan follows her and confesses that she's the one that called in the tip to police about Keith. She says she left the room after Keith punched Bob and she still, she thinks the others know more than more of what happened, but they won't talk to her about her. They won't talk about it around her. Katie tells her thank you and leaves. And when Jordan turns around, Blondie is there around the corner watching them. What a bitch. Mm-hmm. She calls Jordan a snitch and then storms off. Katie goes to the police station and tells the detective what Jordan said. He says he's on her side, but her lawsuit didn't help anything since everyone's lawyering up now and stuff. Katie's like, maybe I'll just drop the whole thing and move to be closer to- with my family. Um... Then when she's walking down the street later, she runs into her friend from before and they make up. Um, she says she's going to drop the lawsuit. I would be making up. I'm too petty for that. <laughs> she says she's going to drop the lawsuit and they both apologize to each other over and over and over like you do. Um, Jordan goes to school and our merry band of idiots just start running around after her. And then, like, back her into a corner. And I'm like, where are the teachers at this school? They don't have none. Are there any? I've not seen one adult in this school. <laughs> Over at the trailer park, someone gave Wasted Ryan a gun. Which seems like a really good idea. Uh, <laughs> well, what else would you expect him to have right now? Um, he starts shooting aluminum cans. Jordan shows up to see him. And she starts crying. They hug. They kiss, but then he pushes her away and says he can't kiss her because they can't be together anymore. He walks away and she yells after him, asking what frat, pro, what frat bro did because she can tell he remembers something. Back over with his new trailer friends, they ask him about it, and he says he knows how Bob died. Um, we see Katie have like a sweet moment with her kids about remembering their dad and stuff. And I'm not crying. You're crying. Um, <laughs> Detective calls because there's a break in the case. Apparently, two of the dirty trailer park guys are actually undercover cops, and they heard Ryan say he knows what happened to Bob. But the next day, when Katie goes to see the detective, he basically tells her he's going to have to let Ryan go because he won't talk. So Katie's like, just let me talk to him. Detective is like, you're totally going to ruin my case. And she just yells back. She's like, what case? You just literally said you had nothing. Right? <laughs> um, so after some more begging, Detective reluctant, reluctantly acquiesces and she gets 30 minutes to talk to him, to Ryan. Detective warns her that Ryan has, quote, perfected the art of playing deaf, i.e. he's a normal teenage boy. Right. <laughs> So she goes in and starts talking about her family, her kids. She busts out photos of them all together. Um, and I was like, oh, she calls her daughter Sarah Bear. And when I was little, my dad called me Air Bear. Aww. And now when he does it, I hit him in the face. 
She talks about how her kids are handling the death of their father while Ryan looks increasingly uncomfortable and then closes his eyes. But Katie does the the mom, like, look at me, look at my face thing. She says she he ugh, she says she knows he knows what happened to Bob and she knows that he's burdened and feeling guilty because he dropped out of school and ran away, etc. She says whether they like it or not, they're in this thing together and she promises to stand by him and be there for him no matter what happens. Oh, I like her. I, I oh, she's incredible. Like, Ryan she cries, is so strong. But he Yeah, Ryan cries but he doesn't say anything. She picks up her bag to leave and leaves the pictures on the table. Um, she walks back into like where the, the mirror is, the two-way mirror. Uh-huh. And she tells Detective that Ryan is just a boy. She's like, he's just like a kid. Um, detective goes back in and Ryan says he will tell them what happened, but he wants his mom to be there. So they bring Ryan's mom in and she and Katie lock eyes across the police station. You know, like totally happens in real life all the right. time i'm sure um so they all go into the interrogation room katie watches through like from behind the two-way glass um ryan's mom says it's all going to be okay and i hate this because she seems like the only normal mom in this whole movie <laughs> right um ryan starts and says that there was some parts he still doesn't remember and then he starts talking about the party how wasted he was he talks about how he'd gotten into a fight and how humiliated he was when the guys like punched him in front of all of his friends. Um, he blacks out for a while. Then he comes to again upstairs when Bob came in telling everyone to leave. So most everyone left and then Keith punched Bob and called him a bitch. Um, frat bro then pushed him. Like when he, Bob tried to get up, frat bro pushed him back down and then he leaves and I'm like, Oh shit. I know what's coming now and I hate it. Uh huh. Um, everyone else at this point is gone. Ryan says he was just so sick of everyone giving him shit that night and mad about the fight. So he just started kicking Bob in the head. Katie listened and cries. Ryan cries. His mom cries. Um, everybody cries. (laughs) He says he didn't realize how hard he kicked him. And then Ryan says, quote, I killed him. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No. Ryan's mom hugs him and says it's going to be okay. So they handcuff him and lead him out. He passes by Katie and he tries to say he's sorry, but like he can't speak. He's like crying. It's so sad. Um, We cut to outside the school where everyone finds out the news. And then we get like the ending. And this is pretty long. So quote, Keith Moore pled guilty to assault and was given a three year conditional discharge. Ryan Aldridge pled guilty to manslaughter and the death of Robert McIntosh. And received a five-year prison sentence. Katie McIntosh moved with her children to another city. And I was like, I love how you specify with the children. <laughs> like her other options just leave them She there. left the four-year-old <laughs> twins behind. Peace out. I left some food on the floor. Yeah. After a year, Katie began speaking to high school students about, quote, the story of Bob. And we see real footage of her doing speaking events. Um, While in prison, Ryan participated with Katie in a victim-offender reconciliation program known as Restorative Justice. Today, he and Katie appear together to talk about the dangers of alcohol and the devastation caused by drugs, drug and alcohol-fueled violence. The last shot we see is a shot of real Katie and real Ryan hugging, like, at the end of an event. Oh. 
And the ending screen says, quote, this film is inspired by actual events. Katie, Bob, and Ryan are real people. The other characters in this film are fictionalized, and their names, certain events, and the locale are fictional. The end. Wow. Um, so, all of that happened in the span of, like, a year in the movie? Is that what it mm-hmm. seems like? Okay. Yeah-ish. Okay. The real timeline is much more expanded, so that's why I oh, was a little Oh, really? Confused. Yeah. Yeah, because this was, like, they were still in school. They were all fixing to graduate. Yeah, no. So, this is even, like, in the span of six months. Uh, wow. All right. So, where's my notes? All right, are you ready to hear the incredible story of a badass woman? So ready. All right. Um, so because we're out of school, um, as I mentioned to you, I had time to actually read a book. It's been so long since I've done that Yay! for one of our cases. Um, so Katie Hutchison, the uh, real woman this movie is about, she um, wrote a memoir called Walking After Midnight, One Woman's Journey Through Murder, Justice, and Forgiveness. Wow. As I'm destroying everything in my house. Okay. Um, I also found um, information on a website called The Forgiveness Project that was um, kind of profiles of both Katie and Ryan. And oh, cool. um, from The Globe and Mail, which is a... Um, newspaper in canada the last time i ever saw bob by rod mackleberg and mm-hmm. from a newspaper called the georgia strait which is a vancouver's newspaper uh, a newspaper in vancouver rather um, <laughs> right it just sounds like george Strait. <laughs> <laughs> um, choosing to heal through restorative justice by john burns restorative justice is like a, a really interesting thing uh-huh Um, so Katie Hutchison remembers a magical evening celebrating the last few hours of 1997 with her husband, Bob, and a few close friends at their upscale house in Squamish, which is in Vancouver. I mean, which is, um, you know, I act like that. I know, um, provinces in Canada. It is, hold on. I looked this up and then I don't want to get it wrong. So I'm looking it back up. It's in BC. Um, okay. It is. Um, it's about an hour from Vancouver. That's what I thought. I knew it was near, but I couldn't remember exactly how far. So basically, a suburb of Vancouver. Um, all right. So. She says, quote, at one point I looked around the room at everyone and I thought there's no place on earth where I'd rather be at that particular moment. Oh, no. As midnight neared, however, Bob became worried about a rowdy house party down the road where he knew the owners were away. He went over with a few of their guests to try to calm things down. She said they walked out the door and that's the last time I ever saw Bob. Bob McIntosh was a popular lawyer who had captained Canada's world triathlon team. Um, which explains like the bike thing going on at the beginning. Of yeah. The yeah. Movie. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he was killed during a sudden savage assault by two local 19 year olds. And as this one article found said they were high on booze. <laughs> and I was like, who the fuck says that? 
That's some like straight up late nineties talk for you. Right. High on booze and with the devil's grass, you know, like <laughs> devil's grass. <laughs> um Resenting his suggestion that they close the party down, one knocked him out with a single punch. The other man, Ryan Aldridge, delivered five fierce kicks to his head. That is like over. Uh Uh-huh. And as you said, like kicked to death is not a phrase I'd ever heard until this case. It sounds terrible. Thank you. (laughs) Um. An artery to Mr. McIntosh's brain was severed, and within minutes he was dead, leaving behind Mrs. Hutchinson, uh, well, now Miss Hutchinson, Mrs. McIntosh, and the couple's four-year-old twins, Sam and Emma. Quote, less than an hour after Bob was murdered, I stood in the emergency ward beside his body, overwhelmed by a sense of peace, knowing that wherever Bob was now, it was much safer than the place he had just been. Then I went home to my four-year-old twins, Amelia and Sam. Um, Amelia goes by Emma. And that um, to tell them that their daddy was dead. I looked into their eyes and I knew that I could not allow their lives to become dominated by their father's death. I promised them and I promised myself that underneath the horror of what had just had happened, we would find a gift. As for the rest of the community, the code of silence began that night. No police, no one called the police. No one spoke out. The murder was devastating, but the silence from so many compounded the devastation. In the end, I chose to leave my community and return to the community I'd grown up in. So, like... That is wild. Like, I just can't. Right? So, I, I applaud Lifetime for being able to capture just the, like, freeze out that she endured because it really was awful she was being it's crazy like these people were acting insane ridiculous um so after she moved away from squamish um or right around the same time that she was getting ready to move she actually remarried um uh so eight months after her husband died she remarried one of her attorneys dealing with all of this nonsense that she was having to put up with. Um, Cute. She said, it's a decision that didn't sit well with some of her social circle. Quote, I joke with people. There was no instruction book. There is no right way. And I also admit that if I had a friend now who was going through a similar situation and making decisions quickly, it would make me nervous, but I wanted people to remember what my track record was. You know, I'd been a pretty good decision maker along the way, and I never ever would have put my kids into jeopardy in this situation knowingly. But, you know, I could have made a colossal mistake, and I would hope people who cared about me would be there to pick up the pieces. Um, and then at the time that this article was written, they'd been married eight years, and this was this is a relatively old article, so they've been yeah. married much longer since. Um, yeah. So... Um, I'll get back kind of into my timeline jumps around kind of like a lifetime movie um, because there wasn't a good way mm-hmm. for me to take all the information I had and put it into a cohesive timeline that did this any kind of justice. Um, yeah. So six years. So this one article was six years after her husband's death. Um, she was um, 
It said that she used the senselessness of her husband's death to deliver a powerful message to young people, warning them against bad choices that can ruin and take lives in an instant. Um, she did mm-hmm. go around and start talking to high schoolers, like you said in the closing credits, and um, give all kinds of um, inspirational speeches. Um, but in regards to picking up the pieces and moving on, she said... I had this clear vision at the hospital. Everyone was there working on Bob, doing their jobs, clinging to that. I had this feeling that I was the only one in control. I thought, how am I not going to make my life about this? Within two weeks, she decided that she did not want to raise her children in the toxic environment of Squamish and moved to Victoria. Shortly afterwards, she met Mr. Hutchison. They were married eight months after Bob McIntosh died. Um... Relations are strained with Bob's old friends and Mrs. and Miss Hutchinson has not been back to Squamish since her move. Quote, it was bad there. Everyone in town knew Bob. Whenever I went anywhere, people either crossed the street to avoid me or they would start to cry. And then she said part of the, um, part of the poison was this infamous code of silence that enveloped the community. For more than four years, despite the presence of other party goers in the room where the well-known lawyer was killed, no one would tell the police who kicked him in the head. So whereas your movie was six months, it was four years mm-hmm. before she found out who had murdered oh her husband. God. The story of the small town and its shameful secret captivated the media. Reporters and television cameras were a regular feature on the Squamish streets and in Miss Hutchinson's living room each anniversary of Mr. McIntosh's death. Finally, in Mm -hmm. the spring of 2002, Mr. Aldridge, Ryan Aldridge, admitted his involvement to an undercover agent in a police sting operation, and he was arrested. He refused to repeat his confession, however, until police played a tape from Miss Hutchinson imploring him to accept what he had done and seek forgiveness. Um, and he, he did, he just broke down very much like in the movie, but she didn't get to go in there and, and talk to him. It was just a recorded Mm -hmm. video that they made him watch. Um, even more remarkable is Miss Hutchins' own extraordinary odyssey, her refusal to bow down to grief, and most of all, her capacity to forgive Ryan Aldridge, the man who killed her husband. Um, he served a five-year term for manslaughter, and he says that... Um, or rather she said that not a day goes by that she doesn't think about him and wonder how he's doing. Um, she says he's almost part of the family and, um, Sam, you know, one of her twins at a recent meal wondered what Mr. Aldridge ate in prison. So he really has become a very like real part of their family. Um, her Aww. her now husband Michael Hutchison likes to joke that Ryan is his wife's third child <laughs> because she spends so much time worrying about him and visiting him and all those things. Um, yeah, this whole thing made me cry. Very happy tears. Like it was a horrible thing, but she is so incredibly strong mm-hmm. to not only show forgiveness but to practice forgiveness. Because sometimes yeah. forgiveness is an everyday practice and she wakes up mm-hmm. and forgives him every day, you know? Um, so um, the Burley Ryan Aldridge was a former notorious town bully 
tearfully apologized to Miss Hutchison and her children before he was sentenced. He has consistently expressed deep remorse over his actions. And um, before they started talking on, um, like, doing tours together, they met twice face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And at the time one of these articles was written, um, they hadn't started speaking together. So that was, like... Wow. Bef- you know, like, she went to go see him in prison twice just to get to know him. Um, wow. She calls their first encounter the most intense human experience of her life. She said, quote, after his arrest, police officers showed Ryan a video I'd made for him, urging him to dig down deep and find the words to say, I did this. Four years of silence, grief, and fear fell away as he fulfilled my wish and confessed to the crime. Those words would, um, those words would begin the healing process for both of us. He then stunned police by asking to meet me. And so less than 24 hours after his arrest, I found myself face to face with the man who had murdered my husband and he sobbed. It was all I could do not to hold him. Second to the day I gave birth, it was probably the most human moment of my life. Sometime into Ryan's sentence, I discovered an incredible organization called Community Justice Initiatives. Uh, that was able to organize a victim offender reconciliation between Ryan and I. It took place in the prison and lasted most of the day. We spoke about almost everything, our lives, our hobbies, our families. There were tears. There were long silences where neither of us had the words to fill the space. In that meeting, I told Ryan I'd forgiven him. I've been able to forgive Ryan because of the immense sympathy I have for his mother. I understood her loss. We haven't met yet, but we write and I cherish her letters. Forgiveness isn't easy. Taking tranquilizers and having someone look after your kids would probably be easier, but I feel compelled to do something with Bob's legacy. I want to tell my story to help change people's perceptions where po- and where possible, I want to do this with Ryan by my side. I'll never understand how our universes collided, but they did. And as Bob's can't make further contribution to society, then perhaps Ryan can. Um, she then she also said a quote that I really loved. She said, "Whether victim or perpetrator, part of being human is rolling up our sleeves and taking an active part in repairing harm." Mm-hmm. Amelia and Sam. Um, have fully supported my choice to forgive Ryan, but others have asked, how could you? The way I saw it, how could I not? My children had lost their father, and I did not want them to lose me in the process. If I had been consumed by hatred, anger, and vengeance, what kind of mother would I be? Something happened when Bob died, and I found my voice. Forgiveness became an opportunity to to create a new and hopeful beginning. Hmm. Um, So... Um, she said that, um, the day that she went to go visit him in prison that first time or the second time rather with the reconciliation, (laughs) they spent five hours solid together. Um, and she reported happily that there was a twinkle in his eye and, um, that she said, quote, there was a salvageable person in there who wants to move ahead with his life and who is genuinely remorseful. Um, we do have choices. I chose to move ahead and I'm helping Ryan move ahead too. When I look into my children's eyes, I'm always reminded that everyone has to be given a chance. So, um, she, when she went to the hospital, she said that, um, Oh, here we go. I'd skipped a page. So she said of her ability to forgive Ryan, um, 
that it kind of what came immediately after she walked into the emergency room the night that her husband had died that mm-hmm. they gave her the news they offered her tranquilizers to help her like she apparently was on the edge of a breakdown and needed sedation which i don't blame her even close to no. a little bit um Mm-hmm. And she said that it was in that moment that she said no to the tranquilizers, but she also said no to anger and no to mourning taking over her, no to mourning taking over her life. Yes to moving forward. And she said not one thing remained the same for us except that I had two young children the next morning and they wanted Cheerios. Mm-hmm. There have been too many tears shed uh since for anyone to doubt there have been too many tears shed since for anyone to doubt ryan's sincerity to critics who question her willful forgiveness of the man who took her husband's life she said anger is a dead end it got bob killed and there's no way i'm going to let anger rule my life um so then i also on this forgiveness project they had um a little piece written by ryan and so Mm -hmm. um while she has shown incredible strength, I think that he has also shown incredible strength in not only taking ownership of what he's done, but yeah. in helping to to repair and move things forward with her and go and mm-hmm. speak out about how his awful choices led to these disastrous endings. Um, and so normally right. I don't give a voice to the perpetrator but in this case i think i will uh, let that slide um so he said in his piece on the forgiveness project having admitted my guilt i wanted to apologize face to face for what had happened so within an hour of being arrested i wrote a letter to katie and her children apologizing for what i'd done i also asked a police officer if i could meet with katie i'd read about katie in the papers but i never expected her forgiveness if i put myself in her shoes i think i would have hated the person who'd done what i'd done to her The big question I still ask myself is, why did you do this? And I still can't find an answer. Doing time is easy compared to the guilt I'll have to live with for the rest of my life. But with Katie's forgiveness, I hope that perhaps one day I'll be able to forgive myself. Hmm. Um, And so I just, God, I'm crying. (laughs) You found it. Yeah, I can see that. You you broke my cold, dead heart. This is it. This is the case that did it. (laughs) You've cried before. I have, but it's been a long time. It has been a while. So, um, yeah, so now they go around. Katie has written this incredible memoir that I cried more than once in um, that is about picking up the pieces and allowing what she calls the story of Bob to um, to kind of fuel her into going around and speaking to kids about the choices they make. Um, but yeah. also into being uh an example of what forgiveness looks like and that um and a reminder that people don't have to ask for your forgiveness for you to forgive them and i think Absolutely. that that is something that as somebody who likes to hold on to hatred and somebody who likes to hold on to petty because i am petty i forget mm-hmm. that people don't need my per- like that i don't need someone's permission to forgive them and that sometimes yeah. forgiveness is is the greatest thing i could do but sometimes being vindictive feels so nice. I know. <laughs> it's a tough road to hoe. Oh, goodness. So I think we need something lighter next week. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm thinking, 
I was looking at our list. Unless you have a different idea. Well, I had a little bit of a different idea, but I haven't presented this to you off okay. screen yet. You know, okay. Netflix released the Joe Exotic series, or I don't know if it's a docu-series. Yes. I think it's a dramatization. I would love to no, watch. Is it's it, a documentary. Is it a documentary? that I would love to watch this it's documentary. It's and like just six episodes. It's so good. I've already watched all of it. <laughs> okay. Well, I have to catch up. And then next week, can we discuss it as our episode? Yeah, totally. Okay. And that way we can give everyone a heads up. This is the, what's it called? Tiger King or? Tiger King on yeah. Netflix. Tiger yeah. King. Because um, this is truly a, a bizarro case that has captured my attention more than once. It is bonkers from beginning to end. And we have, I think, at least once said that Lifetime should make a movie about this. And this yes. will just be us telling Lifetime what movie they should make. Exactly. Oh, we mm-hmm. need to think of a dream casting, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. This is going to be good. I'm excited. This is how ideas come to us. Yep. We just kind of um, throw, throw noodles <laughs> at the wall and whatever sticks is what we've got. That's it. Um, I do have to say that one of my favorite things in the height of all of this um, social distancing and everything is that we uh, did a Netflix party last weekend and watched Don't Fuck With Cats together. Yep. And that was so good. We're going to have to do that again because I, I, like, I can't be away from people for this long again. Oh, agreed. <sighs> also, I'm pretty worried about my son's uh, homeschool teacher. I think she drinks. Uh, you know, <clears throat> lucky for you, the best teacher in America co-hosts your podcast. So even, if, even if his homeschool teacher is a deadbeat, you've got somebody <laughs> I can't even get it all through. (laughs) It's going to be fine. (laughs) Oh, God. Help us all. (laughs) Uh, A special shout out to, I don't know if we have any listeners who are healthcare workers, but a special shout out to any healthcare workers. You are absolutely the backbone of our society. And um, watching healthcare workers. Construction people that are still having to work. Grocery store uh, clerks. Uh, grocery store employees. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Uber drivers. I mean, not Uber Eats drivers who are delivering my food still because drive throughs are still open. You to bomb. And I just want to say to you, Paul, and all the teachers out there, you all deserve a massive raise because, like, I'm so done with this. And it just started. <laughs> I have to say, I am living for the memes. Shonda Rhimes saying teachers deserve a million dollars a week because of her kids. And oh, I saw said a billion dollars an hour. <laughs> yes, it keeps going up. Um, yeah. And my favorite one I've seen so far is uh, three hours into homeschooling, and I'm already trying to see how to get this kid transferred out of my class. <laughs> That's the one I posted. Yes. <laughs> I love that one. I'm still trying if anybody knows how. (laughs) So I will say that while I doubt that it will make a change in the actual world of self-absorbed Americans, 
I am very hopeful that this time inside will encourage us all to look at the things that are actually important and how everybody is actually important to the contribution of society. Um, you know, I saw a tweet or a Facebook post that said that since this quarantine has kind of happened worldwide, that China experienced blue skies for the first time in several decades, that Venice yeah. has crystal clear water with fish swimming in it and um you know we're seeing some kind of worldwide repercussions in the right direction of this that um that we're finding the beauty in nature again and we're also remembering how to be kind to each other we're remembering that the people who are working at the grocery stores are really on the front lines of all this as well as the healthcare workers Mm -hmm. and that people are seeing how much work goes into every aspect of our lives that we just take for granted. Yeah, it's, this is crazy. And I just, I don't know, like I'm making a list of like all the local restaurants I want to go eat at that I just took for granted for being there before. And now some of them are closed and it's like, all I want to do is go eat at this restaurant. (laughs) Right. Um, so yeah, just, be kind to each other that everybody is face- fighting the same battle right now. So just be kind to each other. Absolutely. Um, well, until next time, don't yeah. forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.